are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on February 15th of 2022. Uh, Going to have a little bit more of uh, information on the CBA talks that happened over the weekend. Uh, we have a retirement to talk about, and then we'll jump into the NL West uh, division breakdown. Uh, but before we get into all that, how are you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. I uh, just had a had a pretty good week, and I uh, hope everyone else out there is doing well and uh, been um been pretty solid. I'm hoping that you know I'm getting kind of sad because I think p- pitchers and catchers were supposed to report maybe today. Yeah, it was today. Yeah, and uh, obviously that's not happening because, as Damian said, we're going to be talking about CBA negotiations, which that means they're still not done. So um, we, uh, you know, it's it's disappointing. And I think they've given a deadline of, of February 28th to the end of February to start the season on time, which seems like it might be a little bit early, but for that to be the deadline. But, um, you know, obviously this thing needs to get done. So we'll uh, we'll have a little bit of info on that. But, um you know, uh, everything's been good this week, and I uh, hope, uh, hope you're doing well as, as well. Yeah, I'm doing, doing well over here. Enjoyed a, uh, a good Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was a really good game. I was going for the Bengals, but I'm not mad to see Matthew Stafford and uh, Odell Beckham get their, their yep. uh, ring. Yeah, I know. And, and I was going to ask you, does anybody, in, since you're from near L.A., does anybody out there care that the Rams won? Yeah, I mean, I still do know a lot of people that are Rams fans. They don't care as much about Chargers, right? Um, but I, a lot of them do still care about the Rams, because um, right. the Rams so. have their history there, you know, from from many years ago. So it does make sense that some some fans, you know, older fans, and then people who have you know been raised by some of the original Rams fans would would care. But uh, but yeah, it's just it's kind of weird watching on TV, and obviously uh, it doesn't matter for the Super Bowl because it's you know, supposedly a neutral site game, even though it was in the Rams home stadium. But, uh, you know, before the Super Bowl, it was kind of weird watching, you know, the 49ers just take over the, their home stadium. But um, but anyway, so we'll see what uh, it, was, it was definitely an interesting, uh, interesting Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, now next on the docket outside of, you know, the continuation of uh, basketball going on right now is the, uh, you know, the MLB season, hopefully. Uh, so let's uh, let's get into that. Yeah. So. I think it was like Thursday or Friday. Um, Evan Drillich of the Athletic reported that there was going to be a uh, CBA negotiation meeting on Saturday between the players and the owners again. Um, and before that, there had Rob Manfred had talked on Thursday at his press conference. We talked about uh, the owners had meeting and the players were meeting um, last week. Basically, Manfred confirmed a couple things in his. Uh, you know, in his press conference or state of the union type thing, uh, there basically will be a full-time DH this year, which I think a lot of people have been clamoring for, especially since the 2020 season, we had it. And then last year we, we went back to the normal AL and NL styles of games. And I think a lot of people miss the DH, um, the elimination of draft draft pick compensation, um, and free agency. So when people get the qualifying offers, um, and then this, the talks, I don't think it's completely finalized, but it seems like it's heading in the right direction that there will be some sort of a draft lottery in this new CBA. 
Yeah, so those are some interesting points. Obviously, the DH is going to be a big deal, and we already saw that in 2020. Obviously, 2021, we saw pitchers hit, and um, you know, uh, kind of you know, rest in peace to pitchers hitting. Um, it was fun to, to watch some of the better pitchers in the league hit. Like you know, you watch Zach Granke hit, you watched uh, D- Jacob Degrom hit. You know, back in his day when Bumgarner was really good, you watched him hit. Jake Arrieta when he was good, you watched him hit a lot. And those were those guys were fun because you could see him hit home runs and occasionally. And what um, show? What show? Hey Otani going to do now? That's a good question. Uh, yeah. Probably DH and hit. So, oh. um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, no, I was going to get to that in a second. None of those guys are Shohei Otani. So yeah. obviously, if you have a guy who's a true like can really hit and elevate a lineup, it's going to be, you're going to be watching Shohei Otani. But uh, it was fun, you know, to see guys other than, you know, the generational Shohei Otani, you know, show off their athleticism a little bit at times. But, you know, I think it can go either way because, you know, a lot of people don't like watching half the pitcher, more than half the pitchers in the league go up there and strike out 70% of the time. So uh, definitely something I was hoping that they would maybe, and I guess it's still possible, they would maybe tie the DH to the pitcher in the game where, you know, you lose your, the current DH that's in the game. If you uh, take the pitcher out, you know, kind of keep that national league style of baseball going to a certain level, but it sounds like that's probably not happening. It sounds like they're just going to eliminate the DH altogether, which, you know, I guess it's, it's fine. You know, you're not going to, it's just going to use the American league rule. So, um, I guess, uh, you know, end of, you know, end of the day, you know, you're going to have a new, um, you're going to, you're going to have DH and that's, you're going to make the whole game different. You know, it, it really is. So, uh, and it's also good that they've decided this now and, you know, we have clarity on when the second portion starts back of free agency, whenever that may be, um, you know, post lockout, we'll know, you know, teams will know what they need. And, you know, it'll probably help some of the players like, like a Freddie Freeman or an Anthony Rizzo that teams are a little bit worried about giving extra years to because now they'll know that they can transition into a DH once they're, you know, once they age a little bit more. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely interesting stuff there. Uh, Draft lottery. I honestly don't think that really ends up mattering all that much. I mean, bad teams are still going to be tanking. I mean, it's, I don't think it addresses it like people think it might. I mean, it's not like the NBA doesn't have, you know, teams tanking constantly. And then, um, you know, you look at uh, the, the, the lack of, uh, the CB or the lack of a uh, competitive balance uh, picks in the draft where you have a player with a qualifying offer has a, you know, the draft pick compensation goes with that. Um, that's actually really interesting. And I think that's something that was probably fought for really highly by the players. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know it quite exactly how it was going to work um, with the draft pick compensation wise, because, uh, you know, to me, I think part of it with the players, um, you know, with the team losing a player, they probably should have been able to still get something. Um, but that's just going to be completely eliminated now. So uh, I think it's going to open up a lot more for like a midseason trade deadline that's going to allow teams to move people, uh, you know, for more freely. Like we would have seen Trevor Story absolutely been traded at this deadline had the draft pick compensation not been a factor. Because um, they were basically telling teams like, if you're not going to offer us anything that's, you know, right around what that pick would be, then we'll just go with a pick. Um, the DH is going to be, you know, I used to be one of those that was full on the pitchers need to hit. I like the strategy of the game and, and that, and then when it came in 2020 in the shortened season and I kind of saw it every day watching the Dodgers and, and stuff, I, I, 
it kind of turned a new leaf over for me. I'm kind of, I'm more in favor of it now. You know, I, I do wish that there was an area like you were talking about, maybe they put, you know, apply it to the starting pitcher that would also help prevent teams from using those opener type guys and not as many bullpen games. Um, but you know, I, I think overall it's a better thing for the DH to come to the National League as well because it opens up those opportunities for older guys that can't play the field as well to still have a spot like, you know, Nelson Cruz now immediately when he's on the market instead of having maybe five teams that are interested because teams in the AL already had, you know, guys or, or not competitive, he's got probably 10 to 12 options now of, a, of places that would sign him for a yeah. one-year deal or something. Uh you know, so I, I think that it is going to bring that in, and I, I do think that's better for the game. Um, like you said, the lottery is not really going to help much, though, because the NBA has a, a tanking yeah, I mean, issue it's not, already. It's not going to do anything. I mean, because they're not going to give, like, the first team out of the playoffs the number one overall pick. But, um, you know, it, they'll have some kind of, like, percentage chance. And then if you're, like, the fifth, you know, worst I record, you, have a, you actually have a pretty good chance. But I believe it's only for the top eight. Oh, so yeah, I mean, it's being talked of only the top eight picks would be into a draft lottery. Yeah. I mean, I just, um, you know, I, I don't know the details of it and stuff. I just, you know, know they had talked about the draft lottery, but um, definitely, uh, definitely an interesting thing there. And, and then the one, the one other thing that sounds like it might've come out of these negotiations that I think the players are going to love is the lack of options. Um, you know, that, that they're going to limit how many times you can option a player during a season. And that's a big deal because, uh, you know, when you look at the, when you look at some of these teams, like I, I'll tell you, for example, one example is Atlanta this year used so many different pitchers and, you know, it's, they called it, you know, they, cause that's one of the places the, the triple a team is in, you know, it's in Atlanta, basically it's in Gwinnett. So just the, you know, 30 minutes North, they called it the Gwinnett shuffle because, you know, they would go straight up to Gwinnett and they would go, um, you know, they, they, then they go back and they, it would just be back and forth. Like, once a week. So it was definitely interesting. And, um, you know, that it's going to eliminate that, which is a good thing. I think the players hated that. And, and honestly, that's bad for player development too. So, um, but we'll see what happens. I, um, I definitely like, um, you know, I definitely like, uh, like some of these moves. I think that some of these things are things that the players are going to like. Um, but you know, this deal is not done yet. So, yeah, there'll be a lot more CBA talk to come, unfortunately. Yep. But let's go ahead and move on to a, a retirement that we had today, and that's of Mr. National. Ryan Zimmerman um, announced his retirement today after a 16-year career with the Washington Nationals. Um, did opt out in 2020, so that would have been his 17th season. But he was the first-ever draft pick of the Washington Nationals after they uh, tr came over from being the Expos. Um, and spent his whole career there. And he's kind of the guy that everyone, had, you know, if you think of the Washington Nationals, you think of Ryan Zimmerman. Yes, for sure. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman's a guy who, you know, he came up 2005, um, at 20 years old, and he was just immediately good. Uh, you know, you look at his first, you know, from, from 2005 to 2013, just put up great numbers. He did miss some games in 2011. But other than and in 2008, where he only played like 105 games, but you know, other than that, I mean, in his full seasons, his first full four full seasons of the big leagues, he put up, you know, four and a half or three, uh, 3.8 wins above replacement, 4.5 wins above replacement, and then he put 6.6 .6 wins above replacement back to back years, 2009, 2010. This guy was like an, an all star, like really a superstar caliber player, 
you know, when he was young, but injuries really caught up to him. I remember back in maybe 2013 as someone who watched nationals a lot, you know, they were playing the Braves a lot. He, um, you know, he started having issues with his, with his shoulder and his throwing arm. And I mean, like you, he went from being like an elite defensive third baseman to not being able to play there anymore. And his bat just wasn't quite good enough to carry a first baseman's, you know, what a first baseman needs to do hit hitting wise. I mean, he put up like, you know, a 115 WRC plus to be an elite first baseman, you really need to be in the more than the 125, 130 at least. And uh, he did put up a fantastic 2017 with 36 home runs, a 137 WRC plus. But man, it just, I wish he had stayed healthy because he could have honestly get got close to a borderline Hall of Fame career if he had stayed healthy. And uh, but congrats to Ryan Zimmerman, a very productive long career in the big leagues, and uh, you know all the best to him in retirement. And uh, I have a feeling we'll probably see him around some at the game. He he just he's been around the Nationals for so long. He's one of those guys that's probably gonna you know be serve some kind of role as you know in, in Washington you know advisory role, or maybe he goes into the media or something. Like I, I have a feeling that he'll be around some. So uh, hopefully. Um, you know, hopefully Ryan Zimmerman has a great retirement, a uh, great career for him. So, yeah, he's been somebody who's been really good on camera um, when given that opportunity. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him jump into, you know, maybe one of those postseason roles or maybe even on Nationals TV um, as like a studio role or something. But, you know, great career for Zimmerman. It, it, I wish it would have, you know, ended a little bit better for him. The, those past couple years were really rough to watch. I mean, basically from 2018 on. You could tell he was kind of really just struggling through it all. Um, but glad to see that he can go out on his own terms because um, I, I think a lot of players struggle with that and when they make that move. So, um, you know, glad that he, he opted out for 2020 and then glad he came back for 2021 and kind of do that swan song with the fans there at least. So, But let's go ahead and jump over to the uh, NL West Division breakdown. Um, we'll go ahead and start with the San Francisco Giants who won this division at going 107 and 55. Um, you look over who they've lost so far. They lost Buster Posey to retirement. Um, Johnny Cueto, Kevin Gossman, Chris Bryant, Tyler Chatwood, Donovan Solano, Tony Watson, Scott Casimir, and Alex Dickerson. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this is an interesting team going forward. I've, I'm still like, even after watching them and they were legit last year, like they were really good. I still have no idea how that roster won 107 games. And, uh, you know, they lose a lot of pieces off that team. Like you said, I, th I think the big pieces would be obviously Chris Bryant. But, I mean, Buster Posey had that, you know, bounce back year last year. Uh, Kevin Gossman was really good for his last two years there. So, um, you know, some of those other guys, I mean, Cueto, honestly, that probably helps them. that He's gone because of just money. Um, and uh, even though he was still – he pitched a little bit this year. And I don't think he's just a horrible pitcher, but um, – at this point, but he's not what he once was. Um, and then a couple of those relievers, I think Donovan Solano hurts a little bit too. He had some, some pretty good, you know, he's, he's a pretty good bench player for them. Uh, but you know, they added Alex Cobb, uh, who is a guy that I think will do really well with the giants and, and you know, the way they utilize their pitchers. Um, I think you'll see Alex Cobb be kind of one of those guys who, you know, has a good year all of a sudden because he went to the giants and that's kind of becoming their reputation. And then, uh, you know, Hunter Harvey is another guy they added who isn't that big of a deal, but is a former top prospect. He's kind of interesting to, to have added to that team. 
So, um, you know, my outlook for them, uh, they, they have some needs for sure. They definitely need somebody who can play center field, uh, but an outfielder in general, but definitely, you know, they don't really have a, anybody that's really good at center. And then you look at, uh, you know, they still need a starting pitcher or two. They need somebody to replace the production of Kevin Gossman, whether that's one guy or, or a couple different guys that can, that can combine to replace that. Um, they've got a pretty good little core there with, uh, you know, they got D Sclafani coming back. They got, after they re-signed him, they've got uh, Logan Webb, you know, coming back off that, you know, super breakout year. Um, and they've got, uh, you know, Alex Wood coming back too. So a few good pieces there coming back, but, um, you know, I think they're kind of a borderline contender. I, I don't think they'll repeat last year. Like, I don't think Brandon Crawford's going to be an MVP, you know, favorite this year like he was last year i mean i don't think that you know you got aging players all over the place still you look at brandon belt i think he's a really solid player but he's a first baseman that's up there in age a little bit um you know you look at uh evan longoria is probably you know his he's probably on the decline a little bit uh you know but this lineup's still pretty good and, and they're going to use their platoon advantages they got a pretty good bullpen and, uh, you know, maybe maybe they have a breakout. Maybe a guy like jo Joey Bart, who's going to be their catcher for, of the year this year, maybe he comes out and he's, you know, and he starts, you know, start, starts really coming on in the big leagues and, you know, re and you don't miss a beat from losing Buster Posey. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's possible. He's a talented guy. So, uh, you know, my outlook for them, I, I still think they need pieces to really contend and, there a lot of things went right for them last year. They're going to have to have a lot of things go right again. So uh, I'm uh, definitely interested to see how this team looks coming start of the year. Yeah, I'm not going to undersell the Giants anymore. Like I did it this last year, and then they just proved me wrong. They just always find a way to to win. They're they're one of those teams that just no matter how bad you really think they are, they just find some way. Um, you know, they're bringing a majority of the pieces back. You did mention, you know, Belt and Crawford. They're, are, are they going to be able to, you know, kind of have those seasons that they had last year? You know, losing Posey, that's massive, not just for, you know, he his rejuvenation as an offensive player, but also what he meant to them, you know, for that pitching staff. Uh, he really carried that staff all the way through um, and, and was just a good mentor for them. And, and right now, you know, Joey Bart's not going to be Buster Posey behind the plate. Kirk Casale, he's he's a good defensive catcher, probably better than and Posey, but can he call the same game? Can he still help the pitching staff the way that Posey did, um, and, and still be able to limit the you know the runners? I, I think Casale's better than Posey, just barely at that. But I think Posey kind of had a, a rejuvenation of that the past couple years, um, and we don't know how Bart's going to be. He's a really big question mark behind that. And then losing Gossman, that is a big deal as well. You know, going in with Alex Wood as your three and Alex Cobb as your four, you know, those are two guys who have struggled to stay healthy the past couple years. Cobb only pitched 93 innings last year. Wood only pitched 130 innings last or 138 innings last year. You know, and then right now your fifth starter is Tyler Beatty. So you need some sort of a, a, a at least one to two more pitchers, um, you know, because you and not just like roster filler number five starters. You You probably want a number three starter in there somewhere um, to kind of push wood and Cobb to be in more of your back end of your rotation rather than kind of the middle of it. But the bullpen is still really good. The team overall, I mean, they still have a lot of the core pieces in, intact. And like you said, they, they'll use those numbers. They'll use the platoon advantages. Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler have a really good relationship. And we saw that really blossom this year. Uh, and I'm not going to discount. And I'm, I, 
I think they're going to be in contention for probably a wild card. And, you know, if they do get the things start breaking right, then, you know, definitely into, uh, you know, fighting for the division probably. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Buster Posey. Like, you're not going to replace a 5-4 catcher with a rookie or a career backup. But, right. you know, if you can come somewhat, you know, if you can get three war out of Bartoli Bart, you know, that's a big deal. Like, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, definitely interested in the Giants and, and think that they've got a good shot. But uh, moving on, the team that I think is probably going to be the favorite in this division again, even though they didn't win last year, winning 106 games was the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, they did lose a lot, but of course they had so much to start with that, uh, you know, some of these losses don't even matter all that much, but they, they lose, you know, Albert Pujols, who, you know, was platooning a little bit and, and coming off the bench for them. Kenley Jansen, which is a pretty big deal, but, you know, Jansen has had his inconsistencies the last couple of years, even though he was great down the stretch last year. Uh, he's aging, so, you know, maybe you've got guys like, like, uh, uh, Bruce Dargrad or all that could move into that position. Uh, Max Scherzer, who was there half the season last year, you lose him to the Mets. That one hurts. Kershaw, we still don't know if he comes back. Um, obviously, right now he's um, you know free agent. Uh, Danny Duffy didn't pitch much for him. Uh, Jimmy Nelson didn't pitch a lot for him. Steven Souza was on the postseason roster. They lost him. Corey Knables uh, uh, and, and Joe Kelly are two pretty good depth pieces that they had in their bullpen that they lose. But of course they also had some young guys come up last year that, that were real successful um, that, uh, that they can, you know, can replace those guys. And then you look at, uh, you know, Corey Seager being the big one. I mean, you lose your, your franchise shortstop that you've had for you know the last five or six years coming off of his best couple seasons of his career. So uh, definitely a lot of losses for the Dodgers and they really haven't added all that much yet. They did re-sign Chris Taylor, which is kind of a note on additions, even though he's not a true addition. They added uh, Andrew Haney, uh, who is kind of an interesting add from, from was with the angels and the Yankees mid season last year with the trade. And uh, Daniel Hudson's kind of going to replace that Joe Kelly, Corey Knable role. Yeah. And another, he's not technically a true addition, um, but cause he was signed last off season, but didn't pitch. Um, it's going to be Tommy Canely. Yeah. Also another fill in in that bullpen who will be, um, you know, I, he'll probably fill kind of that Corey Knebel role being the kind of a sixth or seventh inning guy, um, kind of just do everything, you know, losing Seager absolutely hurts. Um, I think that's more of the reason why they made the Trey Turner trade at the deadline was because they weren't confident enough that they were going to be able to sign Seager long-term. Um, so at least you have Tr Turner to fill in for this year. Uh, you know, and then it opens up second base with re-signing Taylor. He could probably play there. Um, Gavin Lux will probably get the run at second base to start with that. They'd like, like Taylor to be able to have the utility role. Um, you know, the team, it, there isn't much hole that it holds that it needs to fill. I mean, it's a, such a good team that even losing those guys, and I still do expect Kershaw to come back. Um, he was in LA for the Super Bowl talking with the media and stuff. And he kept referring to everything as like we and, and talking about how he's preparing for the season. And so I, I still do think that he comes back in some sort, but you know, I, overall the team doesn't need much. I mean, the, the lineup is still probably one of the best lineups in baseball from one through nine. You know, if, if you're looking through even losing Seager, I'm sorry, that's what I'm trying to say. They could use probably some sort of a bench outfielder. I mean, right now their their backup outfielder is Luke Rayleigh. Um, so you could probably use somebody who's better at that. But overall, it's a real solid, you know, overall the team is really good. The rotation, you do have some question marks because 
you know, what are you going to get from Heaney? You signed him to be a breakout guy. You still do have David Price in that number five role. Um, are you going to get Bauer back this year? Who knows? Um, you know, when is Dustin May going to be able to come back? How is this lockout even affecting his Tommy John recovery? That's the thing I think we are not even talking about enough is what are these this lockout doing for these injured players um, that's coming back off injuries? So, but overall, I mean, I don't think that they have much to help, much they need. I think the outlook for them just needs to be, can they stay healthy? You know, can Bellinger bounce back to, you know, what the Bellinger we know? Um, you know, part of that is, was his health. He battled a lot of injuries last year. Mookie, he battled the hip injury all year and never really seemed to be himself, even though, you know, the stats, you look at it, it's still a good season, but it's not a season up to Mookie bet standards. Um, you know, and then how are you going to be able to bounce back losing Seager, even though you did have Turner? Um, you need guys like Lux and them to step up, but kind of that all just depends on their health. Yeah, I, I I agree. Um, and like you said, Lux stepping up will go a long way because he's going to man probably second base every day this year. Um, you know, and, and health. Max Muncy, how healthy is he going to be at the start of the season? Is he going to play at the start of the season? Is he going to be, you know, when he comes back, is he going to be fully healthy? Um, you look at, uh, you know, pitching wise, obviously, you know, what are we going to see? Are we going to see Trevor Bauer? Is that something that's going to happen? Or I know he alienated a lot of people there, even though the, and MLB still investigating him. So we don't even know, but we do know that the, there's no criminal charges as we discussed last week. So, you know, I guess that kind of opens the door for a possibility. We see him. Um, are you going to see, uh, you know, how, how, are, how is that pitching going to do? I mean, you're probably going to have to rely on as, at this point, obviously Walker Bueller is going to be at the top of that rotation. Julio Urias is going to be up there, but you're probably going to have to rely on some Tony Gonsolin's of the world. Like, you know, Tony Gonsolin's a little bit inconsistent. How's Dustin May going to come back if, when he does, you know, hopefully mid season. Um, so it, it, there's definitely some question marks in their rotation and, and in their bullpen. Cause you know, Kenley Jansen's been that anchor for so long. And now, you know, you're talking about needing a new anchor in that bullpen. I mean, I think the bullpen's going to be fine. They have a lot of talent. They've had a lot of talent or it might not even be Grotto. I, I didn't even mention Blake China earlier, maybe be, stepping into that closer role, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by them. I definitely think that with all the talent that they still have, they are the, the favorite in the NL West, even though the Do the Giants did win last year. Uh, and, and with all the Dodgers losses, I mean, but, but a lot of it's going to, you know, ride on, you know, Cody Bellinger having a bounce back, you know, is Gavin Lux going to take a step forward. I mean, you know, that's one of those things like Corey Seager could be counted on at a certain level, but you can't necessarily count on Lux, even though a lot of people like him and think he's going to be good. So there's question marks, but more so maybe than there's been in the last couple of years even, but I still think this team is really good and it's the favorite in the division and, and, and probably the favorite in the national league this year. Yeah. I could go on for hours talking on this. So we're going to move yeah. on to the, uh, to the San Diego Padres who finished third in this division at 79 and 83, 28 games back. You know, we were mentioning as we were kind of prepping for this show, I, I knew the Padres finished bad the second half of the season. They really fell off a cliff, but I didn't realize that they had fell back to 28 games back and only like four to four and a half games in front of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, so that it's just really surprising the, the down second half that they really had. Um, you know, but if you look at who they did lose, they lost Adam Frazier. They lost Keona Kayla, Jake Marisnik, Mark Melanson, who was their closer. That's a big piece for them. Losing Vince Velasquez, um, Daniel Hudson, Tommy Pham had a really great year last year as well. 
Uh, and then if you look at their ads that they've added so far, Robert Suarez, Nick Martinez, uh, Luis Gonzalez, those are three kind of not really great pitchers. Martinez is coming over from um, you know overseas where we've seen pitchers do really well over there and kind of struggle to come back over here. Uh, they added Jorge Alfaro as like a backup catcher. And then honestly, I think the biggest addition that they've added this year uh, was Bob Melvin, the new manager. You know, Bob Melvin's one of the best managers in baseball, and I think that's something that they've really struggled with. Um, you know, the past couple of managers with uh, Andy Green and Jace Tingler. Yeah. So you look at the Padres. I definitely think that they are a contender because they have so much talent in that lineup and in the pitching staff. But a couple things. Uh, I, I agree with you on Bob Melvin. Um, I think that sometimes the Padres the last two years have had issues in their clubhouse with a lot of young guys there and a lot of big personalities there as well. Um, you know, you look at, uh, you know, the, 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 the disagreements last year, like I think you had that disagreement with Tatis and Machado, your two star players. I mean, you need somebody to control that, that clubhouse just a little bit. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I think Bob Melvin's a guy who's got, had a lot of success doing that. Uh, you look at, uh, I, I think the pitching, uh, is something that needs to get better. And I don't think it's necessarily from signing more pitchers or trading for more pitchers. I think you need you Darvish to pitch better. Because you Darvish is a lot of talent, and he's been good for a long time, but he didn't pitch well last year. Uh, Blake Snell needs to stop walking people, um, or at least stop walking people as much. Um, you know, I think that Joe Musgrove is a good guy to have coming back, and he was kind of your ace. And, and don't forget that Mike Clevenger should be coming back this year. Uh, that's a guy who you know was really really good in Cleveland and got traded there midseason. But, but had injuries and Tommy John and he missed the whole season. So you haven't really seen him much there. And, you know, a lot of people kind of talked about the Padres being a team that is really as much building for 2022 as they were for 2021 when they signed, you know, signed some of these guys and traded for some of these guys because they had control. And because, you know, some of them were injured, you know, Don Nelson Lamette's another guy who didn't, you know, kind of battled injury last year and maybe he comes up big this year. So, You've got that really good young lineup. You got the, you know, you got pitching that, that definitely has a shot to rebound. Even though I, I'm not super high on the the thought that you Darvish does rebound because he because of his age and, and just his history of a little inconsistency. And and, and Blake Snell, you know, we don't know if he's going to rebound either because he was a guy who, you know, he, walks have been a little bit of a problem for him before. Uh, but, you know, I definitely think the place they could improve the most is relief pitching. And as you said, Nick Martinez is a guy, those guys coming from overseas could be hit or miss. I mean, you've had someone like um, Chris Martin that came over and, and has done really well, but you've had other guys who've come over and not done so hot from, from that kind of going overseas and trying to figure things out ordeal. Uh, Miles Mekulis is another guy who came over and did well. So, um, but, but you know, you just kind of, that's kind of a wild card. And then the other guys that they signed don't really, um, you know, they're not really inspiring too much. So um, it'll be interesting to see what the Padres do. I definitely think that they could use a couple of pretty good bullpen moves. And, um, you know, they'll be better than 79 and 83 this year. I feel pretty confident in that. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, I mean, I think they're probably about on the same tier as the Giants here. That They've got a good chance to do well. Uh, they're probably a contender, maybe more of a wild card contender. I don't know if they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be better than the Dodgers, but they're, you know, going to be a solid team. So we'll we'll see what happens with the San Diego Padres this year. Yeah, the, they do still do have some question marks. They knew they need to figure out what they're going to do with Tatis and where he's actually going to play. Yeah. Are you are you going to leave him at shortstop? 
Um, or are you going to put him to the outfield where, I mean, he showed that he could play out there and with more time, he'll, you know, season really well to out there. Um, they need an outfielder, which would then allow Hassan Kim, you know, one of their bigger signings last year to transition to an everyday role at like shortstop. And he's really sound defensively. Um, you could even move Cronenworth over to shortstop full time and have Kim play second. Um, you know, but and then you still would need some sort of a bench outfielder bat if you did do that. If you don't put Tatis out to the outfield, then you need at least one outfielder, maybe even two. Um, and then probably some some sort of a depth pitcher. I mean, I guess if you you know you don't know what you're going to get with Lament, how much is Clevenger going to be able to pitch being off for a year and a half? You know, I don't think you can count on him to be able to have 200 innings. He's probably going to be limited somewhere around the the 150 ish mark, I would say maybe yeah. 180. Um, but that's all together. So you have to in- include the postseason kind of in that. Um, and then, you know what you're going to get with Nick Martinez. You, you just don't know those guys are hit or miss. Um, you know, it's Snell. He did have a, a, a better second half of the season did. I mean, he still had some of the walk issues, but overall had a, had a better second half than he did starting with San Diego. So, Overall, the team is the the, t- the talent is there. The team is really good. They just need to, you know, kind of around the edges, make it a little bit better. And then the manager itself, like, I, I don't want to downplay how big of a deal it is for them to get a manager like Bob Melvin. What he's been able to do with, you know, not that much in Oakland the past couple of years and get the team, get the players to continue to buy in. Um, to it that's going to be massive for the Padres because I think that's something that they haven't had a lot of the Padres has been playing me ball and not like playing for the team and doing whatever the team needs and that's going to change this year Uh, and and that could get really take them to that next step to to get into the postseason which they've really struggled to do yeah for sure so um, definitely a team that's that's there to watch and we'll move on now though to a team that uh, maybe not so much there to watch (laughs) um and uh, this is the team that is probably the most widely criticized franchise right now in, in baseball. If I had to say, I mean, there's a lot of team, you know, people criticizing several different franchises that aren't having a lot of success. But I really think that Colorado has gotten more flack than any other franchise for the way they've run their team the last few years. And uh, so, yeah, let's talk about Colorado. Uh, their additions are, well, nobody. Um, and their losses are their best player. So they lost and one of their best pitchers too, probably not their best, very best pitcher. Cause I think that, you know, Herman Marquez is still there, but uh, they lose Trevor story, Sonny, um, not Sonny Gray, um, John Gray <laughs> and uh, Chris Owings, who, I mean, he was a big league player, but uh, the other guys are, are important. Um, it sucks for them to lose, you know, Trevor story without really getting anything for him other than a draft pick, which, you know, is not really that much. And of course, this might be one of the final times you ever see a, a draft pick comp- compensation pick like that. But, um, you know, they probably should have gotten more for him. Uh, you look at John Gray as somebody who, you know, probably was affected a ton by Colorado, you know, by being, by pitching in, in you know, obviously in, uh, in Coors Field. And then, um, you know, he signed a big deal elsewhere. So obviously somebody thought highly of him. And, uh, you know, like I say, they, they just haven't added anybody so far. So I'm sure they'll add some, you know, veteran-type players. But uh, right now it's it's a big zero. It's a big fat goose egg on additions. Yeah, I don't even know where to to start with the Rockies. Um, I mean, or even the next team we'll talk about. I, I even asked Matt before the show, like, do we have to talk about the last two or can we just, like, stop after the Padres? But 
He said we had to con- con- you know, we had to talk about them, so we will. But you know, this team, I, I think they're just getting that new regime in there. But they're a team that kind of alienated Nolan Arenado for you know he had a big opt out in the deal, and he basically forced him to trade him. Um, you know, story if he had that was pro- was trying to force his way to get traded. Um, I think Gray did want to stay, but they just. I don't even know what the deal was with that, but this team, it's just, it just feels like they're in, they're kind of in a rebuild mode, but then they're not, I mean, they're like consistently talking about how they want to be competitive, but then, you know, so far into the, the lockout or, you know, before the lockout, they didn't sign anybody. And then you don't trade your good players who you can't resign or didn't even try to resign for potential pieces to help you. And then you can't develop your young players. Like how long have we been waiting to see Brennan Rogers come up and get consistent playing time? And he finally got it this year, you know, it's a 400 at bats. Um, you know, how long have we been seeing Ryan McMahon to finally have his breakout? And he kind of started the year with that and then struggled later on. You know, it's always going to be hard for Colorado to develop pitching just because of the ballpark and the air where they're at. Um, but, you know, they found some of those guys, and, and Freeland had a good season. John Gray was one of the guys who actually was better in Colorado than he was on the road. Um, and, you, and you have a guy like Herman Marquez there. But I, I don't even know where this Rocky, what the outlook is for them. I mean, it's just, it's bad, but then it's not like you're not bad enough to really do anything or mean anything, but you're not good enough to do anything either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, here's the thing with the Rockies. This is what's frustrating to me about, about the Rockies to me, their pitching, uh, their starting pitching is not really all that bad. I mean, they probably have the best collection of starting pitchers they've ever had in in Colorado uh, before this year. Herman Marquez, John Gray, Anthony, Antonio Sensatella was actually pretty good, like especially in 2020. And then uh, Freeland's been a little hit or miss, but he's not a bad pitcher. You know, he put up a 4.33 ERA this year, so it, it, it's th- this team's not. I mean, their pitching staff is not as bad as typical Colorado pitching staffs have been. Their bullpen's been pretty bad, but and you look at their lineup, and and their lineups where they're struggling now. It's like, you know, if they could sign a few players that were, are good defensive players that make a lot of contact, get those course field hits, they could they could do pretty well. But they're they're in that purgatory. I mean, they're they're they they're not. They're just letting guys' contracts run out. They're not, ex- you know, signing extensions. They're not bringing players to, to lock up long term. They're not, um, you know, they're they're not really spending a lot of money to go out and get, you know, a marquee free agent. Um, they're they're not, and they're not trading guys to get, you know, high, um, you know, highly thought of prospects either. I mean, you could have traded. You you needed to either extend Trevor Story or trade Trevor Story, and they didn't either. And they're going into the same thing now with Herman Marquez. It's like you need to either trade him. Or you need to build a team around him and extend it. And I mean, obviously, he's got a couple more years on his deal. But you know, you need to either build a team around him or trade him while you while you can get a lot for him. Like, I mean, because Herman Marquez should be, you know, really highly thought of as a team as a guy to, to go go elsewhere and be real successful. Because he's already a he's had really good seasons in cores. I mean, he he's a guy who if he take him out of cores, he might be an ace. Like he's that good. And um, you know, but he's you know they're just kind of being the Rockies and they're. Organi- they don't. My, my outlook for them, the kind of the first thing I put on there is they, they need an organizational strategy. Are you going to rebuild? Are you going to go get you know get uh, build up your farm system, get some high draft picks? Is that are you going to do that, or are you going to try to de- contend? Because you can't do in between. That's not the way it works, unfortunately. Um, and then the other thing, like you like you mentioned, is, is actually develop some of these young players. Let Brendan Rodgers take over, and and I'm sure he will now with the with shortstop being open, but. 
you know, let him take over. Let him be the guy. Let him see see what he's got. You know, a lot of the, they've they've done too much in the, in the past few years of having these really highly thought of you know guys like Brendan Rodgers, um, you know, get bounced up or bounced around by the by the uh, you know with the farm system and, and not get a chance to develop. And that's something that's badly needed for the Rockies. But uh, you know, you look at them as a team that you know. They've got pieces to move if they wanted to. I mean, Herman Marquez could get traded anywhere in baseball and get you a huge return because he's a really good pitcher. So trade him. I mean, or or you know build around him and win. So we'll see what happens. Maybe the Rockies will you know figure it out. I'm sure that you know they're tired of going 74 and whatever they did 74 and 87 or it would normally be 74 and 88, but they had a game canceled late in the year for weather that did get rescheduled. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just, just have a strategy, like figure out, you know, look at the next five years. Where do you want to be in five years? Cause right now you're mediocre. So. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been the, the issue yep. with the Rockies the past couple of years is like, they just, ever since they lost to the diamondbacks in that postseason, they just haven't not, you know, I think it was, what was it was 2017 or 18. I think it was 2017. I think it was 17 as well. Uh, ever since they lost them, I mean, they just have gone the wrong direction. Um, so they they do need to figure that out. And maybe this new regime is going to finally do that. Who knows? But let's go ahead and move on to the team that finished last in this division, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks. Finished at 52 and 110, 55 games back. Um, they're kind of the model of what the Rockies need to follow. Um, they kind of you know tried to go, hey, let's just be the super bad team. Uh, if you looked at who they've lost so far, they've only lost Cole Calhoun and Tyler Clippard um, from their major league roster. Um, then their additions, they added Dan Straley on a minor league deal, which was a little bit of interesting. Um, you know, being a former big leaguer and having a lot of big league time, he'll probably be the most well-known name there. And then Mark Melanson, uh, we talked about him for the Padres. It was weird to see an established, you know, you know veteran closer. Um, go to a team like the Diamondbacks, who on a two-year deal even, um, that you don't think is really going to be competitive. Yeah, so, um, you know, those are there's a couple pretty good additions. Um, you know, that especially Mark Melanson, who I think he led the National League in saves last year. But, uh, you know, they, they didn't make a ton. They don't have a ton of movement. Um, their outlook, obviously, they're in full-fledged rebuild. I think the biggest decision they need to make is on Cattell Marte. Uh, because you don't know if you want to have Cattell Marte, you know, be a part of your future. If so, you probably need to get him, you know, extend his contract. Um, and if not, you need to trade him now because he's got a lot of value. And, you know, he, he's somebody that teams will think of as a potential all-star So this year. So, you know, you could move him. But looking at, the, looking at this team, um, you know, they actually have some talent in, in this roster and, and some young talent at that. Um, you know, you look at some of these young guys. Dalton Varsho is a, is a young player who's shown a little bit of promise. Um, look at a couple young, uh, you know, outfielders slash, you know, uh, you know, DH types like Pavin Smith, Seth Beer, who are pretty highly picked in the draft and, and talented looking players. Um, Josh Rojas is pretty good in his first season. Uh, obviously, like I mentioned, Cattell Marte, he's still there for now, so you can count him as being one of their star players. So they, they really do have some pretty good players in their lineup and, and some guys that they can, for one thing, they can build around them. And for another thing, you know, you've got some of these guys that 
couple of them could break out and really become stars, you know. So they're getting that playing time. Unlike the Rockies, who are bringing in guys like C.J. Crone to take up spots for that they can use guys for their future in, you know, the Diamondbacks are using their their spots and and for playing time for guys who have a chance to be, uh, you know, future big leaguers. I mean, really, they're they've got two players that are over thirty in their or three players over thirty in their entire lineup. I mean, most of their guys are in the mid twenties and are kind of journeymen or or prospects. So. Um, definitely an interesting looking lineup. Uh, you look at their, um, you know, their, their pitching and I mean, Madison Bumgarner was not a great signing and he seems to be, you know, just pretty blah, uh, at age 32 and a half. He, you know, he, he really needs some improvement this year. Um, cause right now that looks like a really bad contract. Zach Gallon's a good pitcher that he's going to be a pretty solid for a while. I mean, the rest their the rest of their you know rotation is not very good. Their bullpen, even with the addition of Mark Valance, is not very good. Although Caleb Smith is a guy who I think is going to pitch out of their bullpen a bit, and he's somebody that I like a lot better out of the bullpen than I did as a starter. So he's definitely an interesting looking player uh, to have. And um, you know they've they've got they've got a good farm system and a much better farm system they've had in a long time. Uh, so, so kind of the the things for them is you know maybe trade a couple of their veterans, definitely trade. Uh, David Peralta, I have no idea how he stayed on the team this long, but um, Chattel Marte is definitely kind of the, the key to that. And then, uh, you know, they got it. Like I say, they got a good farm system. I mean, you got a lot of good, young, you know, young guys in that farm system that that could eventually be, you know, really good big leaguers. So, um, and, and just continue to develop those guys. First round pick Jordan Lawler, you know, was was highly picked in the draft. Was you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be the best player in the draft. So, you know, you, you know, do have him come up and, you know, develop him. No, don't pull him up this year, obviously, but, but have him develop and you, you might have something there. I mean, this is a team that they're in, they're on the right track. They're, they're just going to be really bad for a couple more years at the big league level, but they're, they're, they've got pieces coming on the way in a few years. Yeah. The thing is, at least they have the pieces. I think that's the big thing is like, yep. They have the pieces compared to the Rockies, where the Rockies are like, "Well, we really don't know what you have. You don't really, you really don't even know what you have." Um, you know, the Rockies gave way to those young players this year. They let Josh Rojas get a lot of plate appearances. They let Dalton Varsho get a good amount of plate appearances. They let Paven Smith get almost 600 at, at bats. You know, Seth Veer should be up this year and can get um, enough of the plate appearances as well. You know. It, you're still going to have like Madison Bumgardner on the, you know, in your rotation, but you know, you have Zach Gallen who can be really good. Um, Luke Weaver. I think he struggled a little bit last year, but the year before that, or I think 2020 or 2019, one of those two years, he was really good. Um, so they, they do have the pieces. And then, like you said, mentioned Jordan Lawler, who they drafted this last year, they're going to have the number two pick in this draft as well. So they'll be able to get another young star, um, you know, or young player in there that, that might turn into a star for them. So I definitely am more encouraged about the, the Diamondbacks outlooks outlook in the next five years than I am for the Rockies outlook in the next five years. Um, and I think that's kind of what we were trying to say with the Rockies is like, Hey, you you need to kind of follow this one more. Yeah. You you need to you need to stack this young talent and let them develop some yeah. and let them play. Where the Diamondbacks have kind of did that, and they're gonna look. We're gonna be bad, and they've kind of said it. We're gonna be bad for the next couple of years. We accept it, uh, you know. But going forward, we we have a bright future ahead of us. Yeah, and and that's one of those things that you know you want to call it tanking, call it whatever you want to. Like, I mean, 
it's it's kind of the way things are and and it's the way you have to win in professional sports and you know baseball maybe not quite as much but as others because of the you know high draft picks aren't quite as valuable in baseball but you know it's it's one of those things like they they're gonna have to you know they're gonna have to do it and um, look at teams that are starting to become successful now like like look at the Tigers now they can spend a lot of money because they've got money open and they've got players coming up that they really like and they might be able to be good soon like so the, you know that's kind of the the and obviously the last wave of, of those teams were like the Braves, Cubs, Astros, all three of those teams have won World Series titles. So, you know, this is the way to do it now, unless you're the, the, the Dodgers or the Yankees and have, you know, unlimited money to spend. Um, you know, this is the only way to do it. You, you can't, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to win a championship by going 500 every year and getting lucky once. Like that's probably not going to happen. Like you're going to have to go get some real talent and, um, you know, these teams that are winning right now with, like I say, with the exception of maybe the Dodgers, the Yankees and the Red Sox, like these teams that are winning right now, they, you know, they have to, um, you know, they're going to have to, uh, they're, they're, you know, they've, they've all been through it, you know? So, uh, that's something you have to look at and, Unfortunately, it's part of the game, and, and there's really no way to change that either. I mean, yeah. are you going to reward team? Are you going to make teams with with really good teams get get you know top draft picks? Because I mean, that's really not going to balance the league very well. I mean, like right. the whole purpose is to balance things out where everybody you know every team can have a shot. But um, you know, are you just going to let good teams get better? Like, I don't think that's that's not something that's good for the game. I don't think so. You know, tanking's gonna stay, you know, forever for that reason. And you know, maybe there's ways they can, you know, mitigate it a little bit. But, um, but I mean, the the Diamondbacks are taking advantage of it right now. And I bet, and you know, if they make the right moves on, you know, who to draft and who to sign when it comes to time to it and who to trade, uh, you know, they'll they'll be real successful. They'll be up there in four, three or four years, like like the Braves and Astros and. Cubs who are, you know, kind of those recent rebuilds have been the last few years. So, uh, definitely something to look at. And, um, but you know, they're going to be tanking their lumps in 2022. It's not gonna be pretty. I mean, they lost 110 games last year. I don't see them improving too much off of that. So, yeah, I don't see them really being much of a improvement either. Um, but you know, that's basically going to wrap up for the NL West, um, division breakdown side of it. Uh, before we did end this episode, I did want to mention, that um, we're, at least on my end, I'm trying to expand um, our social media presence from just Twitter to Instagram. Uh, I made a new Instagram. It's at the Batflip Podcast. Uh, if you guys want to go like and, and follow that page. And then also I'm going to be trying um, something here soon uh, and still working on it. So give me some little bit of time. But I'm going to try and start uploading the podcast to YouTube as well. Um, it's going to be an extra little process that I'm still learning how to do. I posted one today, but it, it did not go, uh, as much as I wanted it to smoothly. Um, so I'll be working through that, but hopefully, um, I can get a graphic made and everything within the next week or so, um, and then kind of improve on that. And then going forward, um, you know, we'll, we'll still have it on the podcast side, but it'll at least be another, another way on YouTube. That is also the Batflip podcast. Um, so if you want to go subscribe over there. And hey, maybe one day you'll get to see our smiling faces if I ever decide to get a, a webcam. <laughs> so. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that 
Uh, that's going to be a uh, don't I'm barely trying to figure out how to convert the files. Yeah, it's going to take a little YouTube. bit of time or something like that. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't even want to think about trying to add video on top of it all right now. But, um, you know, it, it's just something else I do. I've noticed that, you know, on Twitter, you know, we've built a, a decent following on Twitter. Um, we still get a, a good amount of interactions on there. But, you know, I, I it's I think it's time, at least for me. Um, I want to try and find the other ways to help grow it. And I think branching out to these other platforms, um, you know, at least Instagram and, and YouTube, I think that's going to be a big one is if we can, yeah. if we can get a, a you know, a, our faces on there, eventually that'll be great. But you know, a lot of people scroll through YouTube all day. Um, but any likes we get on there, any subscribes, um, you know, likes or follows on, on Instagram, it just kind of helps grow it all. So if you guys want to go, um, you know, follow on, uh, on Instagram, it is, under the Batflip podcast, and then on um, uh, YouTube, it is also the Batflip podcast. Um, and I will put a link to the um, to the YouTube at least because it's kind of hard to find with no subscribers. I'll put that in the Twitter our Twitter account bio, which is also yep. at the Batflip podcast, so it's easier to to find um, to start with at least. Um, so. That's that's something that I wanted to, to hit on at the end of the episode and try and get those to to branch out. Uh, I think I I just created them yesterday or something, so we're still building the following on them. So I want to try and get that out as much as possible. Yeah, that's 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 really good. I appreciate you, you know, working on that, Damien. And you know, I really like uh, those. Um, I really I really like those other platforms because I think that, you know, as the two of us have been really involved with Twitter for a long time, we kind of forget there's other things out there that we need to that a lot of people use and don't use Twitter. So uh, it's something that's definitely definitely good. Uh, always trying to grow our brand a little bit. And, uh, definitely, uh, definitely appreciate you doing that. And, and everyone go get us a follow on there. Um, you know, go subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, follow us on Instagram and we'll uh you know, follow our personal accounts on Twitter as well. We tweet mostly about sports, um, rarely about other things. Usually it's complaining about something if it's something that's not sport. It's usually complaining about something if it is sports, but um, yeah, but yeah. Um, like complaining about Rob Manfred, which we do here too. But so, but yeah. so it is funny. My phone now auto corrects Manfred to man fraud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you say that the other day. That's it literally auto corrects it to man fraud now. It's like, oh, is this what you're trying to say? So, like, that's how much you know, like, what my Twitter is like. Cause I only use that on Twitter and my whole phone, even if I'm texting somebody, it now changes it. So, that's pretty funny. But yeah, go give us a follow on those. Um, when I get the graphic made um, for the YouTube side, I'll, I'll have it on other, way, other places as well. Um, but I'll probably have our, um, our personal accounts on there as well. So you guys can follow those for more of a kind of like daily interaction um, type wise. But, you know, I, I, I rambled on enough about that, but I, I really wanted to make a point of that at the end of this episode and, and try and help build the followings on those other platforms. So, you know, thank you guys for, for listening to that. Thank you guys for everything you guys do for the, for the podcast on, on Twitter and hopefully going forward on Instagram and uh, YouTube. Uh, but for this week, that's been the Batfoot Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.